Good evening and welcome to the Champaign City Council study session for Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. Um, I would ask that Carrie Wyman go ahead and take over. And actually, before I do that, I think I need to read the beginning of our, our hearing information, which is that the city is seeking input during this public hearing regarding fiscal year 2021-22 annual action plan. The annual action plan provides an overview of the city's affordable housing and neighborhood improvement needs, as well as the proposed strategies for addressing them for the program year beginning July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2022. The purpose of this public hearing is to provide an opportunity for all interested persons to give input on allocation of community development block grant funds in the annual action plan. All comments received will be responded to and included in the final plan that will be submitted to the Department of Housing and Urban Development in May. City staff will give a short presentation on the planned activities in the fiscal year 21-22 annual action plan. We will then take council technical questions and then I will declare the public hearing open. And now I'll turn it over to Carrie Wyman. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, we are here tonight to discuss those two issues. Uh, first, we'll start with our annual private activity bond allocation, and then we'll jump into our annual action plan, which is for the federal funds, as you mentioned, the CDBG and the home funds. And I wanted to just highlight tonight, uh, it's a little unique over past years. A, we're still in a pandemic. Um, but we're gonna be highlighting uh, towards the end of this presentation this evening that we do unfortunately, are we do have to return to the 15% public service cap. So before the pandemic, uh, you're aware that uh, the allocation that we could make to public service activities was always limited to 15% of our overall CBG fund or a CBG grant. During COVID, we had the ability to actually, HUD actually remove that requirement and Janelle Gomez will cover uh, that we that we actually allocated with your approval uh, quite a bit more money towards our public service activities. So tonight we're going to bring that back to you and, and just highlight that area of focus, if you will, and get some direction from you. And then with that, we'll also be talking about our COVID relief funds. And specifically, we do have a small amount of COVID relief funds from our earlier rounds that is not yet allocated. And so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Janelle Gomez for the presentation. Good evening, Council. Uh, as Carrie said, uh, tonight we're going to discuss the bond cap allocation for 2021. We'll also discuss the draft fiscal year 2021-22 annual action plan. The action plan is for project and activity starting July 1st, 2021, and ending June 30th, 2022. We're going to start with the bond cap here because it's a little bit shorter. Uh, the um, under federal law, state and local governments may issue a certain amount of tax-free bonds for projects that the federal government does not consider traditional government services. These bonds are called private activity bonds and are used for private business development. Private organizations often prefer these bonds because interest on the bonds is free from federal taxes. The city may choose to use its bond authority for a local purpose or reallocate the amount to the state or another entity for their use. City could also choose to carry forward that bond cap for its own use. The 2021 allocation for the city of Champaign is 
682,190,000 um, based on the governor's population estimate of 88,000. Three agencies have contacted the city to request bond cap allocation. Um, first, Illinois Assist offers two mortgage products. The first program offers buyers a 30-year fixed rate mortgage and three to 7% cash grant based on the size of the loan for down payment and closing costs. The second program is a mortgage credit certificate program that offers an annual federal income tax credit to individuals based on mortgage interest they have paid that year. In 2020, Illinois Assist um, produced 26 mortgages at $2. million in volume. The IDA programs, Illinois Housing Development Authority currently offers five mortgage, mortgage products under their IDA access programs. Each product offers down payment, closing cost assistance, and a 30-year fixed rate mortgage to qualified home buyers. The difference between the products are the amount of assistance provided and how the lien is treated. Two new programs were issued in 2020 by, by the governor's office. One of them called IDA Smart Buy offers up to $40,000 in student loan repayment in addition to the housing down payment assistance. The other new program, IDA Opening Doors, is eligible to DACA recipients. In 2020, IDA programs originated 164 loans, the volume of over 19 million in the city of Champaign alone. Homebuyers can access these programs by going to participating banks. Several local banks and members of the community reinvestment group participate in both programs. Um, additionally, uh, requesting bond cap is the Eastern Illinois Economic Development Association. AIDA does not have any recent accomplishments in Champaign, but recently funded a $14 million affordable housing project in Mattoon. The city has a link to both of the IDA mortgage programs um, and the Illinois Assist program on the neighborhood programs front page under state resources. I wanted to highlight it here in case there are any interested viewers that wanted more information about those programs. Interested home buyers can review the program requirements and get information on the local banks that do participate in these. Uh, we, <clears throat> oh, let's see. The proposal um, for 2021 is to cede the bond cap equally to three agencies um, for $3,227,730 each. So that was it for the bond cap, um, short and simple. Um, and we'll take uh, technical questions later as we finish the whole presentation. We're now gonna turn our attention to the draft 2021-22 annual action plan. The annual pl action plan is for year two of the five-year consolidated plan, <clears throat> 2020 to 2024. The five-year plan outlines the high level goals for housing and community development with the federally allocated home and CDG funds. And then the annual action plan outlines specific programs and activities that will be undertaken to accomplish these goals in the coming year. For fiscal year 21-22, the city has been allocated 1,045,984 in CEBG funds and 304,103 in home funds. <clears throat> for home funds, um, the city of Urbana serves as a lead entity for the home consortium that also includes the city of Champaign and Champaign County. So the actual administrative approval of these funds goes through the city of Urbana. For the home program, um, the pros were, the home program funds are proposed for the creation of new affordable housing at Bristol Place. Phase two of Bristol Place will provide housing for seniors. Staff will schedule a study session in summer 2021 to solicit feedback from council, proposed number of units in the future development. 
Advis LLC, the developer of the property, intends to submit required pre-application in 2021 for state of Illinois low-income housing tax credits. Home funds would be used as gap financing for this project. And that's the, um, the whole of the home allocation would go to this one and one place. CBG, on the other hand, um, has lots of different little allocations. The CDBG, CDBG funds must be spent for the benefit of low-income individuals or in low-income census tracts. The proposed programs for 21-22 are mostly a continuation of past efforts with an emphasis on low-income housing. Specifically, we have proposed allocations to the Minor Home Repair Program, the Home Accessibility Retrofit Program, and the Senior Minor Home Repair Program. Um, these programs are primarily available to owner occupants, except for the Home Accessibility Retrofit Program, which is also available to renters. Additionally, CDBG funds, staffing costs, and various program expenses associated with rehab programs, including expenses tied to rehab, lead-based paint equipment, program delivery, supplies, testing, and relocation. Housing rehabilitation programs continue to be a high need. Additionally, funds are proposed for the management of a tenant-based rental assistance program. Whereas home funds can pay for the specific monthly rental assistance payments that would go to a landlord, CDBG cannot. But CDBG can fund um, program management and would be allocated to an agency that will administer this type of program. <clears throat> and we're gonna get into the discussion that Carrie alluded to about the public services cap. HUD offered, um, 20, 2021, we see the return of the 15% public services cap. HUD offered us regulatory relief for the 2019 and 2020 fiscal years, but announced this when the 2019 year was almost complete. So our 2019 regular amount um, did not change. Um, I, share, I share this information to show how the cap will limit future public service spending with CDBG dollars and how it impacts this year's allocation. You can see there's a difference in the allocation when spending is capped at 15% compared to the two years, uh, the 2019 COVID relief money and the 2020 money um, where there was no cap. And last year's annual action plan, uh, 2020, in addition to community matters, public service funds were also allocated to COET work for homeless programming and first followers for reentry services. Combined, the need for all of these partners exists what is available in 2021. One option um, that we're presenting here tonight is to allocate funding to community matters, youth programming, at the 2019 level, which is 128,278, and allocate the remaining funding about $28,619 to non-youth agencies um, to meet some of those additional needs. City has a long history of public service to support youth programs. Traditionally, we have funded the Community Matters Program as an eligible public service activity. The Community Matters partners provide mentoring, summer day camp opportunities, job training, remote learning hubs, college preparedness, and teen programming. Community Matters started in Garden Hills neighborhood and has expanded to prioritize youth from other targeted and low-income neighborhoods such as Beardsley Park, Crystal Park, Garden Lane, and Douglas Park. The current Community Matters partners include Champaign Park District, Champaign Unit 4 Schools, Don Moyer Boys and Girls Club, Lifeline Champaign, and Dreamhouse. So prudent to this discussion, but not included in the fiscal 21-22 annual action plan is the remaining COVID relief funds that need to be allocated. The reason it's prudent is because these funds will be able to be allocated to other public service needs. 
the city has an additional $101,295 in unallocated CDBG CB funds. The city can allocate these funds to any of the needs that were identified in the COVID relief amendment to the 2019 annual action plan. These funds are not included in the, in the upcoming plan, um, but will be allocated this summer and public um, to eligible public service programs. Around 60,000 of these funds remain from the completion of the small business program. Staff reviewed 85 applications that were received before the application window closed in early August. 638,000 was allocated and 578,000 was granted to small businesses. We do currently have one small business application under review um, and this may reduce the amount available by, up, by possibly $15,000. The other unallocated funds um, come from youth programs. The 2019 amendment included $250,000 to youth programs. The city only received 210,000 in requests. There were other interested parties that were not able to put together a program and submit an application due to our tight turnaround deadline. We were very concerned in getting the funds out the door. So the needs that were identified in that 2019 action plan amendment include small businesses, youth programs, food insecurity, homelessness, reentry services, and crime prevention. Any of these pro programs in these areas would be eligible for the remaining CDB, CDB allocation. Regarding public input, um, public hearings on the annual action plan were held at the Neighborhood Services Advisory Board meetings in November 2020 and March 2021. A series of public input and participation meetings were held in February and March of 2021 and will continue throughout the public comment period that began on March 15th and ends on April 15th, 2021. Staff have met with the City of Champaign Neighborhood Leaders Forum, the Continuum of Service Providers to the Homeless, Community Reinvestment Group, the Human Services Council and various neighborhood groups. The key findings from the public input process are continued um, support for housing rehabilitation, requests for down payment assistance for home ownership, rental mortgage utility assistance, community gardens, um, homeless program assistance and youth programs. And again, we will be taking public comment until the public comment period ends on April 15th. The draft plan is currently available for public input. The plan is available on the city's website or you can contact the neighborhood services department to receive a copy or to ask questions about the plan or to submit comment. You can call us directly at 403-7070 or email neighborhoodservices at champagneil.gov. So we're seeking council input on the entire annual action plan and bond cap allocations. That's why we're here tonight. But I'd like to draw your attention back to those two key areas. First, we are seeking council direction on the allocation of public service funds. Though these funds have been historically allocated to community matters program and youth program and youth programs continue to be a priority need. Other needs have been identified in public meetings and through the COVID-19 relief efforts. We propose funding community matters at the 2019 level, $128,278 and allow additional 28,619 for other eligible public service programs of homelessness and reentry services. Second, the remaining COVID funds, um, approximately $100,000, will need to be allocated to eligible programs outlined in the 2019 COVID relief amendment. 
There's more information coming from federal relief efforts that may inform this decision. This funding can be decided at a later date when we have additional information, but we are taking feedback tonight that will help guide the funding decision. Um, so alternative one is to direct staff to finalize the fiscal year 21-22 annual action plan and the 2021 private activity volume cap bond allocation as described in this report for council action at April on the April 20th, 2020 regular meeting. Um, thank you. And I'm here for technical questions. Jennifer and Carrie are available as well. Thank you. Are there any technical questions? Councilmember Bricks. I'm always asking questions about that bond cap. And <laughs> with the nine million, um, with the nine million plus dollars that we've got, is it possible to partner somehow with housing authority to do small scale affordable housing development or neighborhood revitalization with those funds? Yeah, there's there is there is some leeway um, in how those funds are allocated, and they, Eastern Illinois Economic Development Authority has regularly partnered with the Housing Authority um, on their project developments. And unlike Bristol, which was a nine percent tax credit development, Aida often partners with these four percent tax credit developments, which aren't the competitive round. So yes, they they have do, and I believe would continue to partner with Housing Authority on those kinds. Of so, but is it possible to do like a, a joint project through the housing authority so they can somehow apply for the bond cap and then disperse oh. that out to small scale developers or with a focus of affordable housing and neighborhood revitalization? So uh, what I know of it, and I'm definitely not a bond cap expert, is that would require us to be the kind of owners of the bond cap um, what we've done in the past is we've gone to, say, AIDA um, and asked them, could you develop a program or, or direct people to for a specific kind of use? And they've been open to that, but it, it, um, what we were looking for at the time was, I think, um, rental rehabilitation, and it wasn't, um, there wasn't a lot of interest in it. Um, but that is, that is a possibility for us to work with partners to... Um, to steer the types of programs. But in general, the bond cap, when we get when we seed it to AIDA, it goes into a like an 11 county region for them to do, you know, development projects. So um, it's it's definitely possible. Okay. Well, I, and I think that's something we should we should look at to see what we could possibly do to help local goals here as well. And I know there's stuff that goes to help with home buyers and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and those are great. Um, but just wondered if they could help with some of the specific projects that, that I think council would like to do, or I know that I would like to see um, in certain neighborhoods. So thank you. Thank you. Any other technical questions? Janelle, I just had a couple because I feel like um, you all have been in front of us a lot over the, <laughs> the last year. And I, you know, I, I want to, I guess, clarify, this is our normal. So we have the five-year plan and we look at it annually. And what we're talking about is 
really our, our annual action plan that is a five-year plan, part of a five-year plan. Yeah. And we're not talking about all the COVID dollars that we sort of amended in there um, over the course of the last year, other than your last question, which is, oops, we have some money left over. How do you want yeah. to- I just felt it was prudent to include that because, you know, I, for me, it feels like a shock to go from spending, you know, $800,000 on public services, we were able to last year to going down 250,000. And I kind of wanted to show that we do have a little bit of extra leeway um, with this extra COVID relief funds to help fund some of these agencies. So that was the reason I felt it was prudent to the discussion. But um, if COVID didn't exist, this would be our regular meeting. I would only see you once or twice a year where we're just discussing our regular old annual action plan. And, and I know we don't have a whole lot of detail yet, but it's possible that you will be back before us this year and next year with additional COVID relief dollars that we'll be making some decisions about. Yes, I don't have a lot of information at this point, but yeah, we believe okay. that's coming. I just don't know much about it. I, I appreciate it, and we, we, and we love seeing you. I just <laughs> want to make sure that I'm thinking about the right project as we're, yeah. as we're going forward. Um, okay, so if there are no other technical questions, I will now go ahead and declare this public hearing open. It's also the time for public comment, since public comment would be directed related to this item on the agenda. So we would ask that anybody who's interested in speaking, please raise your hand, please state your name and city of residence and limit your comments to five minutes or less with a reminder that as uh, staff has suggested, there is an opportunity, continuing opportunity for public comment either through email or calling the neighborhood services department. Madam Mayor, I'm going to turn the microphone on for Rob Dahlhaus. Good evening, everyone. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. yes. Wonderful. Good evening. Thank you so much for this time. I don't think I'll take the full five minutes, uh, but I did want to come on here tonight um, for a couple different reasons. Number one, um, again, my name is Rob Dalhouse. I have the pleasure and honor of serving as, as executive director at CU at Home. Um, while my place of residence is St. Joseph, Illinois, uh, obviously I work uh, in Champaign. Um, there on 70 East Washington with the most vulnerable uh, of our friends on the street, uh, the most vulnerable homeless in our community. Um, I want to start tonight first by just saying a huge thank you <clears throat> to the city as a whole, to our community as a whole. Um, what we've seen in the last year has certainly drawn a lot of negative attention with COVID, but I'm here to tell you what I've seen from the community uh, and from the city uh, our, our faith community, our partners, um, prioritizing homelessness and seeing it as something um, that we need to focus on and ensure that those most vulnerable of our residents have the resources they need, especially in the, in the terms of emergency shelter. I just think that that was incredible. And so I want to, to offer encouragement in that way. And it, again, it's just my small experience, um, but I feel that that's important to share that. Um, so thank you so much for that, for stepping in, uh, for offering us um, to be a CDBG subrecipient to help out with emergency shelter funding throughout uh, the end of 2020 and, uh, and the beginning of 2021. 
Um, you may be wondering what the impact is of those dollars and what our community was able to come to do uh, as we took a winter emergency resource for, for men and women, a year round or a uh, over, overnight winter emergency shelter for men and women and stepped into that need uh, and made it year round. Um, the plan was to do that in November of 2020, but because of COVID, all of us sitting around the table, including Carrie and Jennifer there in, in your office, folks at the United Way and our faith community members, regional planning, all these members were like, we can't leave our folks out on the street. We, we have to op have this resource open year round. And I thought in a very quick manner, um, the city and many others stepped in to help us fill that gap to help see you at home and Austin's place operate uh, those emergency shelters throughout April, May, June, and on through 2020. Um, so again, I just think that's an incredible example of community partnership. Um, and I thank you all again for, for helping to, to provide those financial resources to help us do that. Um, Again, you may be wondering what's the impact on that. You know, it, it all sounds great, but what are what are some of the numbers? Just in crunching the numbers from from the last, you know, year from March of 2020 when this uh, pandemic really got going through the end of February of 2021, we saw <clears throat> roughly 700 different men and women utilize this these resources, these emergency overnight shelter resources, and that equates to 19,896 nights of care. That's nearly 20,000 nights of care. And if that's a, a newer term for you, or you kind of like, what is nights of care? Just imagine 19,896 different opportunities where folks could have been out on the street or in a bad situation. And instead they were able to find safety, security, uh, warmth or coolness in a shelter situation and off the street. So that's the kind of impact we're talking about. Um, I, I, I understand that, uh, that there's much, many less funds to be shared around uh, in this next go round, but I felt it important to share with you just uh, the impact that this resource has had in our community uh, and the importance of, I believe, continuing for us as you at home to partner with the city uh, and our many other partners to ensure that our, our most vulnerable friends on the street have the resources that they need. So again, in closing, I just want to say a huge thank you. I thank you for just stepping into these needs in a really tough time. Uh, and again, there's been a lot of negativity surrounding COVID and everything we've had over the last year, but personally in my experience and what I've seen and what's been able to be offered to our friends um, as a community, we've done a really really good job and I believe we saw that at our one winter night event as well with the community rallying around this homelessness cause so again I thank you very much for your time hope you have a wonderful rest of your meeting and evening thank you I'm gonna turn the microphone on for Brian Dunn hello my name is Brian Dunn from Champaign um, shout out to Rob really appreciate him and the work that he does for our community and, you know, a lot of that presentation kind of went over my head. I don't really understand the flexibility of these dollars, but uh, I do know that we do have people in our community who are getting their utilities shut off. Um, and I think that if there is any way that we could, uh, you know, uh, use uh, these funds to help with the people slipping through the cracks there with the people who aren't able to uh, get the assistance that they need through other channels. Um, you know, it is still a pandemic. People need water, people need power. 
And if we could find a way to use any funds to help shore up those cracks, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Can we turn the microphone on for James Kilgore? Um, good evening. I'm uh, James Kilgore, the co-director of First Followers Reentry Program in Champaign. Um, so I'm here to talk a little bit about the, really as a thank you for the assistance that you gave us last year, particularly in COVID relief, you know, targeted reentry services, uh, people coming home from prison were sort of extra vulnerable coming into the community with no resources and having all of the, carrying all the baggage of felony convictions and um, a whole range of other, a whole range of other issues. So you provided us with uh, support for temporary stays in hotel rooms while people tried to find more uh, permanent housing. Uh, we provide about 118 hotel nights for people. Um, that's about 50% more than we actually budgeted for. Uh, the same thing with, we provide people with backpacks, uh, with hygiene and clothes. Uh, those, we almost doubled our, the number that we had in the proposal from 18 to 30. And we've provided rental assistance to about uh, 12 people now uh, who are primarily people who are moving into places where they might be living with family members, but this is kind of rental assistance for the family member for taking on an extra person. On the other hand, we've been able to, in some cases, find housing for people and use this as the initial money to move in. However, we don't think that this situation is going to change substantially. We've really used up almost all of that money uh, that was allocated for this fiscal year. And we today the um, decision has come out in Richard versus Pritzker. I don't know if people have seen this, but it's a massive court order to release a thousand people from IDOC, mostly elderly people, mostly people with disabilities. And I'm sure that some number of those people are going to end up in Champaign. And I'm sure that some number of them will be in need of some specialized assistance. One of the real problems that we face with people coming home from prison is that they don't, they don't qualify for being homeless. The definition of homeless means that you have to, you had to be homeless the night before and the night before people were in prison. So they're not homeless and therefore they, they can't be funded under uh, funding for, for homeless, for homeless uh, individuals. So I think we, we are looking at a situation where we believe that the reentry services, the kinds of support that you, that you gave us, and depending on how many of those 1,000 people end up in Champaign County, might, it might escalate. But I, I think that this has had a tremendous impact on a number of people in our, in our community. And the housing situation is growing more and more complex. And I think uh, James Corbin, who is also with First Fires, is going to speak to that uh, after me because he's the one that handles most of this uh, on a daily basis. But I just wanted to bring to your attention the fact that we've made excellent use of the resources that you gave us. It was very, very crucial uh, 
for us to be able to operate and be able to serve that population. And I wanted to just put on your radar that there's likely a thousand people coming out of prison in the next few months with a significant number of those coming into this community. So it might be something you want to consider in terms of how you allocate some of this funding for the next fiscal year. I thank you. Thank you. Madam Mayor, I'm going to turn the microphone on for James Corbin. Okay, hello, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, my name is James Corbin, and I am a community outreach specialist with First Followers, and I'm also in the field uh, with my team doing the work. And uh, I'm also a resident of, of Urbana, Illinois. So I would just like to reiterate a lot of things what James Kilgore said in the beginning. And that is, first, I'd like to thank you all for the welcome home package, which did include a book bag, personal hygiene, you know, uh, essentials that these individuals need when they first coming out of jail. Uh, there's also uh, a gift, a gift certificate in there to help them go shopping, get underwear, socks. These things are needed for someone just coming home with just, I mean, some of the guys that we helped had nothing but uh, some shoes and pants that barely fit. So we had to go out and get boots for them, you know, immediately. So that was greatly appreciated. Also, um, the short-term stays at the hotel, because like James was saying, they don't qualify as being homeless Many times they don't have IDs, they come at home. We got to do all this work within a short amount of time. And we try, to, we try to work efficiently and effectively as a team and a group. So all these, every, every, everything is moving at high speed level. But there's also this need to have more housing or available housing. I'm running into issues now to where a lot of the landlords are, uh, you know, they, they are resisting uh, housing individuals because of COVID. So I think it'd be helpful to have, and, I, and I've done this now, where I arrange to have maybe more funds that could help this individual get into the housing so that we won't have this problem what uh what Dow House is facing over there, you know, and I, I appreciate the work that CU at home is doing. I think it's awesome. Um, but we need more assistance. And that way we don't we don't run into these in uh these problems for the community. Individuals are uh when, when they come in home like that, they're they're pretty much lost and they they're not sure which way to go or what service to turn to. So having somewhere, someone there like First Followers uh, is a great help for the community. And I, I really think that we should have this as a regular line item on the budget for reentry. We definitely need this because uh, most of your homeless population, and I'm sure the Dial House can contest to this, that most of them are individuals who were formerly incarcerated, but probably never got that start which is important. So the, what, and, and the program that we're trying to do is to one, keep recidivism low 
as well as homelessness. So we, so we don't get uh, flooded in one area. And at the same time, we can help individuals become productive citizens. This is our goal. These are some of the things that we are uh, facing out here. So I'm not going to take much more of your time, but I do appreciate, again, your help and your services. And the other speakers, Dial House and everyone else who comes on here who's working in the field right now during this difficult time, I appreciate you and I respect you. And uh, thank you all. Thank you. Yep. I'm going to turn the mic on for Grace Wilkin. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, thank you. My name is Grace Wilkin. I'm an Urbana resident, and I just wanted to call and support and echo the previous speakers, James Kilgore and James Tiger Corbin, um, in their support for first followers and continued funding. Um, I think that it's really unacceptable that people are dropped off in our community at the bus station after imprisonment oftentimes without cause, without a rightful trial, with no resources, nowhere to go. And I think maybe started giving people $10 now. Um, this is a huge gap in our system. And First Followers is a wonderful organization and they're filling a need that shouldn't exist in the first place. So I ask that you please continue supporting this organization with continued funding and support and also help address the systemic issues like the um, lack of support overall. And also if you could stop discriminating on criminal background checks for housing and employment, that would definitely make life a lot easier for individuals of our community who are trying to reintegrate and put their lives back together after a traumatic experience. So just wanted to um, call in support of those things. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Mayor, there are no other hands raised. All right, council comment. Oh, wait, first, I apologize. Um, the, uh, the public hearing is now declared closed. If anyone desires to express their views on the annual action plan, please email your comments to neighborhood services at champaignillinois.gov or call neighborhood services staff at 217 403 7070 by, by April 15th, 2021. Uh, council comment. Seeing no council comment, um, Janelle, would you mind putting the poll Mayor, back? Mayor Fine, I have a comment. I'm just, my video is not on. Okay, go ahead, Councilmember Fine. Um, I just, I wanted to thank everyone who called in um, to comment. I, one of the things that was brought up that I think that, um, we should talk about, but I know it's more of a town board thing than a city council. I believe the township office does a really good job with, you know, working with homelessness and stuff. Even though I know reentry is a, it's a different ball game. The people who fall through the cracks though, sometimes are people who work a full-time job. They, and they can't afford their house and their basic necessities. So that was just one thing I wanted to throw out there about people falling through the cracks. Um, but I do believe that um, any type of support with homelessness, whether it's reentry or, um, just the people that fall through the cracks is important. And I do hope that we can continue to help uh, support first followers as a community and as a city um, because of the work that they do. And one example I wanted to give the city council was 
um, a gentleman came home from uh, from prison and he can't get an ID because his birth certificate doesn't match his social security card and his ID. And you you think to yourself, well, why wouldn't these things match his ID? Doesn't matter. DMV won't give him an ID. And so there's a man walking around town who wants a job, who wants to work. He's been home for six months. And because of the issues with the DMV, he can't get a license. And so those are the kind of things that First Followers helps with. And it's a small thing, doesn't really affect a lot of people. But I just wanted to give you guys an example of, you know, why it's so important that First Followers, you know, helps people that falls through the cracks. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Kyles. I wanted to... Uh... Uh, piggyback off of Councilmember Foreman's comments, uh, particularly as it pertains to continuing our support with first followers uh, for the reasons that you mentioned, and also uh, for as, as well as when we started talking about there's a program that we really don't participate in, I don't believe, but I think it's a big deal, and it's the workforce diversity piece where they go out and they have trained, it's a separate program, well, it's a separate, I don't want to say program, but initiative, um, but it ties right into re-entry as well as uh, really youth development. Um, we, we talk, we always talk about the, uh, the target, the 18, the, the, you know, there's really no resources for uh, 18 to 25 and for very few resources. And so once you graduate high school, um, uh, there are a couple programs out there um, like SWIFT that I think that people should participate in or learn more information about. But the fact and reality is there are not a lot of programs out there that really um, help with that. And First Followers um, does a great job in training uh, young individuals in, in the trades. Um, and I think that, you know, when you start talking about the systemic issues that lead, you know, why a community is the way it is or, or, how people feel the way they feel, you know, when you don't have opportunities or opportunities uh, are just not there. And, um, and that's just the way th things happen. And so one of the, I think I talked about it about a couple of months ago, or a month ago, how I toured the uh, facility. Um, they've been training young men and women uh, in, in the trades, building homes or renovating homes. And I think it's a great opportunity to, to, you know, for what they're doing. It's not a lot of people doing what they're doing and giving people real um, training. And so, you know, if there are any other additional dollars or thought processes, that's where, um, sorry for the background. Uh, if there are any more additional, if there's any additional um, um, dollars, those are the things that I would be looking for as well as um, expanding um, and on a different note, uh, council member former talked about the council, so it probably is township, but there is expanding our efforts with the work program. Um, I thought that was a, uh, I actually got to see a lot of um, individuals um, who are participating in the program and the success along the way. So those are a couple of things, my couple of uh, comments. Lastly, any, I mean, like I said, we're not talking about a lot of money, but then I rec do realize that uh, leftover, uh, we're not talking about a lot of left money left over, but any dollars that could continue to go towards uh, small business, particularly black owned businesses, um, that would be something that I would be uh, um, definitely in support of. Thank you. 
Anyone else? Councilmember Pianfetti. Thank you, Your Honor. I guess I, I wanted um, some clarification from Janelle just with what we were going to be giving some direction to. It was the the hundred thousand dollar. I guess maybe just if you could share the screen because well, I want to make sure. We're going to do two polls. We'll do a poll on the original item, which is really our action plan. Uh, update for this year. And then the second item, we'll pull the second item as well so that they have direction. Right. I, I guess I just, this is the, Janelle knows me well enough. This is was what I was looking at. So I guess just some comments on the 128,000 for community matters, correct? Because I, I just, I guess I wanted to say that I'm, I'm, I, I think that providing funding for support in that is um, something that I would be in support of. I, I think what they have been doing and, and our support of that would be beneficial to continue, um, you know, to have to make a decision between homelessness and reentry services. Um, it isn't an easy decision to make or, or to say, what, where you put, you know, 28,000 and, and some changes is, um, you know, to me, um, I, I, I guess I, I would support whatever um, is, you know, the majority of council would like to do, whether it's first followers or homelessness. I think equally um, what Mr. Dalhouse and Mr. Um, Kilgore um, and Mr. Corbin talked about you know, equally the impact for those in our community, I think are, are much needed. Um, I guess my comments are more towards, you know, in the absence of this almost $30,000, you know, our, our responsibility is then, you know, what next, what more do we have to do as a council? Um, because, you know, $30,000, while it may help in the short term, um, these are much larger issues. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess I, I don't want to have to pick between one or the other. You know, if we split and give half to each, and if that is is going to help provide some more resources, I'm fine with that. If we give all of it to first followers, I think their services have been impactful to the community. If we give all of it to um, see you at home, um, they have been impactful as well. Um, but I think it, it does um, bode to our us doing work in, in the longer run as to what we do to help also think about whether it's township, whether it's council, um, how we help to um, support services on, on a larger scale. Thank you. I now don't have y'all in front of me because of the, the slide being up. Oh, thank you. All right, Council Member Bricks. Janelle, I have one more question for you. In, just in this conversation and um, in the comments and things that we've talked about, in regards to homelessness, is there a gap? So now we have a year-round men's and women's shelter. What about um, single individuals with children or families? Is, is there a gap for that or are those, 
are there services um, for those folks as well? There are services for all types of homeless individuals in our community. There are services for homeless families, the services now for homeless men and for homeless women. Um, <clears throat> so they're all, there's still a great need in all of those areas, but we do have a place of entry for all of those types of homeless individuals. Okay. Well, and so I guess um, I'm also in support of supporting homelessness and um, first followers and um, and how it can be flexible in terms of spending, how the money is spent. Um, and also just wanna thank um, those with first followers and see you at home for the great work that you're doing and helping to meet a lot of unmet need within our community. So thank you all for your efforts. All right, anybody else? All right, so seeing no more council comment, we have two polls. The first one is directing staff to finalize the fiscal year 21-22 annual action plan and the 2021 private activity volume bond cap allocation documents to be considered by council action on April 20th at our regular meeting. Council member Pianfetti? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Beck? Yes. Bricks? Yes. Stock? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Piles? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Foreman? Yes. And I am a yes, you have direction. The next item was the 128,000 or so to community matters with about 28,000 to go to homelessness and re-entry. Um, Council Member Foreman. Yes. Gladney. Yes. Kyles. Yes. Stock. Yes. Bricks. Yes. Beck. Yes. Bruno. Yes. Pianfetti. Yes. And I am a yes, you have direction on that as well. We are now at the point of our meeting for general audience participation. Um, please state your name and city of residence and limit your comments to five minutes or less. I'm gonna turn the microphone on for Brian Dunn. Hello, my name is Brian Dunn. Um, I had a frustrating interaction with a neighbor earlier today and it's gonna send me into big, uh, you know, like old man yells at cloud mode but some things I just wanna get off my chest for especially any white people listening. Uh, so redlining is not a failure of the black community. Employment discrimination is not a failure of the black community. Over-policing is not a failure of the black community. Segregation is not a failure of the black community. These are all moral fail failures of white people who established and maintained systems of white supremacy that we see here locally in policing, in schooling, in housing, in food, in food insecurity, banks ref refusing to give loans and realtors refusing to sell homes to black individuals is not a failure of the black community. Black people being barred from many of the laws and policies, federal and local subsidies that have allowed local white residents to accumulate much of their current wealth is not a failure of the black community. My former co-workers, white liberal Obama voting co-workers 
who would make small talk discussing how when black people moved into their apartment building, it's time for them to move out. That is not a failure of the black community. And the city and police spending resources to stalk local black residents, they suspect of drug crimes while I, as a DJ downtown, at any moment past 1230 AM, have a third of the white people around me all hopped up on coke, is not a failure of the black community. So reparations are in the headlines as Evanston, Illinois passed resolution 37R27, authorizing the implementation of the Evanston local reparations restorative housing program and program budget. And we have to understand that reparations are not established to address any failures of the black community. It is not charity for black people. It is an attempt to address continuing failures of white supremacist apparatus that has systematically disenfranchised black individuals in this community every day. And now that Evanston has broken the seal on reparations, I think it is a great time for Champaign to address our own moral failures. We can look at what Evanston has done, the small step they have taken, and we can build on it. And along with our, you know, valueless lip service that we love to do, you know, <clears throat> our, our BLM street sign, our underfunded initiatives, you know, work with uh, specific black entrepreneurs who can jump through all the hoops at the cost of their own mental well-being, almost running them out of town. Along with all of that, we can put actual action towards addressing the deficit this city has displayed and establishing equity for all members of our community. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Mayor, there are no other hands raised. All right, any council comments? I do have um, one comment seeing no one else. Um, a week ago, our nation was devastated by a series of senseless shootings in Atlanta that targeted Asian American women. Tragically, our nation has witnessed a rise in anti-Asian hate crimes since the start of the pandemic. And as Chancellor Jones noted in his statement on the rise of anti-Asian violence across the nation, incidents of anti-Asian hate and bias increased 149% in 2020. I want to let our community members of Asian descent know that you are welcome here in Champaign and that we stand with you in solidarity against hate, intolerance, and violence. In our community, racism in all its forms must be rejected. I extend my support and comfort to our city's diverse Asian community. I am grateful for the various cultures that enrich our lives and add to the colorful fabric of our wonderfully diverse community. If you are seeking resources or need to report discrimination to the city, more information can be found at our city website. Additionally, the Asian American Cultural Center will be hosting a workshop on how to intervene to stop anti-Asian American harassment and xenophobia. For more information, you can also visit their website. Thank you. And Councilmember Bruno. Madam Mayor. Oh, wait, City Manager, did you have anything? Thank you, Your Honor. 
The only thing that I wanted to mention is that the city council will not meet on Tuesday, March 30th, because it's a fifth Tuesday. And we will not meet on Tuesday, April 6th, because that is an election day. So the next meeting of the Champaign City Council will be Tuesday, April 13th. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Councilmember Bruno, your turn. Uh, Madam Mayor, I move that we go into closed session for the purpose of discussing the employment compensation and performance of a specific employee, followed by adjournment. Second. Will the clerk please call the roll? Council Member Kyles? Yes. Ian Betty? Yes. Doc? Yes. Beck? Yes. Brick? Yes. Bruno? Yes. Foreman? Yes. Gladney? Yes. Mayor Finan? Yes. We are recessed in, or are we adjourned into closed session? Recessed into closed session to be followed by adjournment. Um, and everybody needs to close out of this meeting and go into the closed session link. We'll see you there in a few minutes.